Hello, I'm Josh Starmer and welcome to Human Stories in AI with StackQuest and Lightning AI. In this series, we'll hear about the career journeys of passionate AI experts. From their humble beginnings to conquered challenges, we'll be inspired by the real-world experiences of professionals thriving in the ever-evolving AI landscape. Human Stories in AI is brought to you by Lightning AI. Code together, prototype, train, and deploy AI web apps, all from your browser with zero setup. Personally, I love Lightning AI because it makes it super easy to use and learn from the StackQuest coding tutorials. Just go to the webpage, click on the Run button, and bam! You get code that you can play with without downloading anything or installing any packages. Today, we have special guest Simon Stockholm, a lecturer at UCL Denmark. Simon applies machine learning, especially deep learning, to images, video, and time series in a wide variety of settings. And by wide variety, I really mean it. Simon is fearless when it comes to seizing opportunities that come up and somehow turns them all into success stories. So, without further ado, Simon, can you tell us about your journey to where you are right now at UCL? How did this all start? Well, Josh, um, I think I was about 10 years old uh, when my father, who was working as a psychologist, he came home one day with uh, a software called ELISA. And for those who don't know ELISA, ELISA is uh, the ChatGPT of the 90s. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So um, it was supposed to imitate a psychologist and it was supposed to replace psychologists actually by asking people questions. Okay. So, so he came, comes over and I, I try the software and he says, what's your name? Well, I, I typed Simon and he says, okay, Simon, uh, tell me about yourself. And he, so you start saying stuff to the machine and, and the machine picks up specific words and in response to it. It never gives you any answers. It just keeps asking questions. <laughs> it sounds like a like good this. interviewer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I was so fascinated about this technology that I was like, wow, I, I need to learn this. So um, I decided I wanted to program. Um, but there was no internet back in uh, 1990. Uh, so I went to the library and I picked up a couple of books, uh, not on how to program, but just entire programs written and then i just started copying letter for letter uh, onto the computer and, and some of them worked some of them didn't i had no idea what i was doing um so fast forward uh, a decade and now i'm ready to go to university and i decided to study linguistics uh, which is the study of languages um, and i've forgotten all about my uh, first love um, <laughs> And so um, while I'm studying linguistics, uh, I come across this thing called computational linguistics. And I'm like, wow, that sounds interesting. How do uh, computers understand speech? How do they speak? You know, I'm thinking, okay, I, I want to do that. Um, but that they don't have that course at the university that I'm enrolled in. So I have to switch to a different one. Um, so I, uh, I get enrolled in the different, uh, university and when I'm about to start, nothing really happens. I don't get any responses from the university. So I call them up and, uh, I say, I'm enrolled in this, 
this class? Um, do you have a, like a curriculum or something? And they're like, oh, man, we forgot to tell you that uh, we shut down the, uh, the, the education after no you got way. enrolled. I'm like, what? So um, they said, you can call this guy. He used to be a professor there. Okay. So I call up the guy and there nobody answers. I called back and they like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you. He, he got fired because of drinking. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding. No so way. His, yeah. So his replacement, uh, uh, they say, you can call the replacement. And I call him up and nobody answers. I call back to the university. Turns out he's uh, on vacation. Okay. So they're like, okay, call his replacement. And I called uh, the third guy and he picks up and says, what can I do you for? And I'm like, uh, I just want to study computational linguistics. Um, but you, since you shut down the, the education, how am I going to do this? And he says, well, there's a different university, um, and you can go there and I'll just, you know, uh, get your uh, course credits moved to this university. So, um, so I go to that university, I study computational linguistics for, for a couple of years. Uh, that was my, my master's degree. Um, and then one day this guy comes into our class, this is this business guy. And he's like, does anybody in here, um, know anything about speech recognition because we need somebody who does I'm like sure i i do um and so um we set up a meeting and he says well i'll give you half a year to build us a switchboard where you can uh, get the person you want by speaking their name and i'm like I only know it theoretically. I don't know it. I mean, I can't code. I, I coded as a 10-year-old, but I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't coded since. So I had no coding experience at all. Um, but but um, I actually get the job. Uh, no and way. I, I, I finished the switchboard in, in those six, six months? months. Yeah. <laughs> How's that possible? I don't know. Uh, I guess he said, if, if you don't finish it, I'll just fire you. So, you know, once, <laughs> once you get this... Uh, uh, you're in a dilemma or, you know, you know it makes you, uh, makes you work. So you learned how to code and not just did you learn how to code, you learned how to code something quite complicated. Yeah. Where they're um, like, it, there, there were libraries that you can just apply okay. to it. So, so, um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, dragon speech by Nuance. Uh huh. Yeah. Those were the big guys back then. Okay. And those were the libraries I was using. So it okay. wasn't that difficult, but I had to adapt it to the Danish language. Uh, there were a lot of things that Dragon Speech could not figure out about Danish. So I had to type in uh, the actual pronunciation of different words and stuff. Oh, interesting. But, like phonetically, you would type in yeah. a phonetic pronunciation. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so that was training back then. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, and so uh, everything back then was more um, rule-based. It wasn't uh, machine mm -hmm. learning. So, yeah. so at this point, I still don't know anything about machine learning. I just kind of know some algorithms and I know some programming. And then the financial crisis comes. Uh, and I, I get fired uh, along with the rest of the company. It almost uh, collapses. Uh, and that's I've been in the company for five years at that point. Okay. So I, I start to uh, indulge in, in teaching. Um, I teach uh, people with uh, Asperger's syndrome. Oh, okay. Uh, and I teach them how to code. And, uh, and it turns out these guys are much better than I am. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, so my, my boss decides to give me a lot of courses. So I, I start taking all these certifications uh, in, in coding um, and I end up becoming fairly good at coding. And then I apply for a job at UCL uh, and that was nine years ago. So that's where I've been ever since. Oh, wow. At UCL, I, I teach computer science uh, for the first four years. Okay. And then uh, I start uh, gaining an interest in, in machine learning, and I come across uh, a site called DataCamp. And DataCamp is brilliant. I mean, it's mm -hmm. really, really good stuff, and it's free for academia. Um, and then uh, the next thing I come across is actually your channel. <laughs> so, so I learned a lot from that, and I still use your videos for my students now. Because now I, uh, five years later, I'm teaching a um, introductory course on uh, applied deep learning um, to to my students, um, and I also come across fast AI, um, and, and that's where I, uh, you know, the coin really drops for me. I, I really get hooked on this, and I. I noticed that it's not that difficult, really. I, I always had this expectancy that it would be impossible to actually uh, do machine learning. You had to be, you know, really, really brilliant, uh, not just an average Joe like myself. But it, it could be done. Uh, I would say I started out being very much hands-on, and I'm getting more and more theoretical, more and more mathematically uh, in, uh, engaged now. So... Does that mean you are coming up with new architectures or, or what does that mean to become well, more mathematical? It means I'm starting to study the math more. I'm starting okay. to study the algorithms more. And yes, I've actually looked at uh, something like UNIT. Um, and I, I thought to myself, why are they using those skip connections? And I started testing it out and it turns out on the data set I was trying, it actually didn't help. Oh, really? Yeah, and then uh, afterwards, I found another article uh, by some other people who had discovered the same thing. Oh, really? Okay. So, so I guess for some data sets, it might work. Yeah. But, but what surprised me was the way they actually use the skip connections. They kind of just take and concatenate them. And I was like, why don't you add them together instead uh -huh. of concatenating? Because if you're concatenating, then you're not really looking in the image, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're stacking it on yeah. top of each other. Uh, so that's, uh, that's why I started looking at it. Uh, and that's what I mean by getting more involved into the mathematics. And yeah. Cause, cause now you, now you're in a position where not only do you use these algorithms and you, and you could use them, you can customize them and maybe improve them, which is uh -huh. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, would you be willing to tell us about some of the projects you're working on right now? Sure. Um, I have been involved in, in four different projects. I, um, I, the first project I was on was with, uh, I had to help a ferry company. They wanted to, they have to uh, go away from using diesel engines and use electricity instead. So they oh, really? batteries. Um, <clears throat> so they wanted to be able to be in the harbor for long enough that they could recharge between each trip. Uh, so I had to, to figure out how the different people are, are, are controlling the ship. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it turned out that um, in, in the fast AI course I was uh, following at that time, 
I noticed that you could take time series and turn them into images and then uh, use that to identify patterns. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, you just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> You're taking time series, which is like, you know, how things change over time, and you turn that into an image, and yes. then you process, that as an, process it as an image? Yeah. So what you do is you, you use Gramian angular fields and uh, Markov transition fields, uh, and then you kind of create this uh, colorful image. Uh, okay. It doesn't look like anything, but it's just a, you know, a, a color pattern. Yeah. But it represents your time series. And uh, you, the Markov transition fields make sure that you, you kind of uh, simplize how much the, the effect is. So if, if the thrust is going up, then you see a, a different color, right? Okay. And uh, the Gramian angular fields represent uh, each time step along the diagonal axis, more or less. Okay. Um, so it, it kind of gets all this information packed in there. And then if you use convolution in neural networks, you can uh, look for a similar pattern. Okay. And what happened was that I actually were able to identify who was sailing the ship only based on the amount of thrust they used. No at way. At a given point. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, the, and not just the amount of thrust, the image of, uh -huh. of the amount of thrust over time. Yes. That, and you could figure out who was, who was, at the, who was the captain. Yeah. That yeah. is fascinating. That, that is pretty cool. Yeah. I actually uh, wrote a, a couple of articles about it uh, okay. that have been published. Um, Did you so, come up with this technique or is this a kind of a standard practice in the. Well, I, I just saw uh, Jeremy Howard use it. Okay. Going from time series to, to images. And I just thought, well, why not try it? Maybe it will work here. And it did. And, so, and forgive me because I. The, the methods you're using to create the image, I've never heard of them, but I'm going to, can I ask you a question? How is, are there libraries that you can use that can just yes. do this? You don't have to be a, an expert in no. uh, this field theory thing or yeah, what yeah, I can't I, remember. I, I, um, I, I, I'm not an expert in it in myself. It, it is about, you know, using polar coordinates and then mapping them onto uh, a, regular coordinate system really uh, so um so i'm not actually a lot, whole lot into the math behind it uh -huh. but i'm using the libraries because i've seen other people do the same okay so it's so as fancy as it sounds doing it actually doing it isn't that hard because you can just use no. a library to do it yes. and it works yes <laughs> that is so cool uh can i ask a few questions about the actual convolutional neural network Sure. I, I'm just a plugging a shameless self-promotion. I have a I have a video that shows the conceptual, uh, or the, excuse me, it gives a conceptual explanation of how convolutional neural networks work. But I've simplified it to the most simple version you could have, so you can see all the parts. Uh, but uh, but it's not like overwhelmed with complexity. Uh, the question I have for you is how complicated is your convolutional neural network? Because I, I know some of the ones that win these image classification contests are really quite 
the the pieces are all simple, but they just have lots of them, and they just stack them. And yeah, and 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 what did you end up doing? I I went with the simplest possible neural network I could get away with. Okay. So uh, what I built was an autoencoder, really. Uh, so you have the a neural network. You're taking the image and it just kind of downsize it all the way to until I couldn't downsize it anymore, and I get this latent representation, and then I, I train it to identify. Uh, similar images, you know, um, and it's very, very basic. It is convolution, max pooling, convolution, max pooling. Uh, okay. As far as you can go, that's it. And 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 uh, I'm almost embarrassed to ask a question about this because I'm supposed to know these things really well. <laughs> <laughs> that by the convolution, does that mean you're 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 just running a you're running a filter over it? Yes. And and what that filter does is it kind of shrinks the image a little bit. Yeah. And and then you do this max pooling where, um, where wherever that filter matched the best, it probably has. You know, it, it, the the output is going to be a larger number than places in the image where the filter did not match, and so the max pooling sort of consolidates those those high ranking places, and yes. then you run the filter over it again and see if it matches. You know, or maybe a different filter that matches things. Yeah, um, and actually several filters at the time. Okay. So you you go from a three by three by uh, or a three by uh, Let's say twenty-eight, twenty-eight uh, okay. image. Uh, my images were bigger than that, but just for, for sake. Um, then you may go to uh, sixteen by uh, or what is it? Yeah, could be sixteen by sixteen by any number of filters that you want. So the the number that you get the next time is actually the number of filters that you have. Uh, so you get a lot of filters and. I don't remember the exact numbers I used, but then, uh, it was, yeah, I, <laughs> it wasn't something I put a whole lot of thought into. I just, I was just trying to make a simple network. Uh, even though it was a relatively simple model, was it computationally intensive? Did you need to run it in the cloud or on? Or no, 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 what no, kind no, of hardware no. were you using? I used uh, Google Colab. Um, oh, you did it all on Google Colab. Yes. No I did. way. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and um, I think that means you were running it on a single GPU. Yes. And how long would that take? It would take uh, a couple of hours. Oh, okay. So it wasn't too bad, and I think I have I had uh, I had data for five years. Oh wow! Okay. So, uh, but these images are, are very simple. Yeah. And, and not very big. Uh, yeah. They may have been five twelve by five twelve or something. Okay. So, so not big images, simple images. Um, uh, the other question I have is going back to sort of the original goal was to, I, mean, I think the idea was to, was it to figure out how long they need to stay docked yeah. to recharge? Yes. So sometimes we knew that sometimes they only had eight minutes and sometimes they had 17 minutes in okay. Harbor. And both of those were problems because if you only, uh, if you only have eight minutes, you don't have time for recharging. If you spend 17 minutes, then you're actually punishing the next guy because he has less time to do his trip. Oh, I see. So we wanted to make sure that uh, everybody uses 14 minutes. Uh, so we had to figure out what patterns can we identify where this is the optimal amount of time. Uh, and, and that actually but just led to, well, we can actually create the this, uh, watch schedule. 
Okay. <laughs> so, you know, a shift schedule of it is the right word, right? So I was, I created the shift schedule and then we got access to the actual shift schedule afterwards and we could kind of compare them and see if there was an overlap. And uh, some people were easily identifiable. Others could be uh, confused with other people. Okay. So, uh, so what, I guess what you're saying is that you used a convolutional, convolutional neural network to establish a shift schedule for who should be a captain when on this boat or who was the captain or who was a, yeah historically going yes. backwards yes yeah and then from that you could you could then you could you could optimize on something or yeah well at that time we still didn't know what constituted a good sailing actually or mm-hmm. a good crossing we, we still don't have any idea about it because we don't uh work with the project anymore okay. uh, so so we kind of we're stuck there at at the current uh point but you you could definitely try to go into the nitty-gritty and see if you could do more okay um well still very cool that you could that you could predict who is who is sailing the boat when uh, i think it's fantastic yeah um, <laughs> And you mentioned some other projects. So you said uh-huh. you you've, you've got about four. So we've got one. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> that was the first one. Yeah. Um, so the second one um, is uh, is about feet. Um, we had a case here in Denmark where people got their legs sawed off or amputated, if you what? will, uh, because of uh, bad blood flow. So no uh, apparently. Uh, there's not a lot of prestige in uh, science within legs and even less within feet. So if you don't have enough blood flow in your feet, nobody knows what to do about it. So they just amputate your leg. And and it kind of became a big thing in Denmark that maybe these people shouldn't have had their legs amputated. Um, This is actually a a project that I'm starting to work on right now. So we're we're supposed to kind of see if we can identify the blood flow in MR uh, scans. And so we compare different images uh, and see uh, if we can identify anything that can prevent you from getting your leg amputated. That sounds like an incredibly noble effort, uh, (laughs) a noble cause. Um, And, and what, what methods are you using? Are you using additional convolutional neural networks? Because this sounds like it's maybe image-based as well. Yeah, it, it is image-based, and it will be uh, instant segmentation is the, uh, the that, procedure we'll go for. What's that? Say, say that again. Uh, instant segmentation. Instant so you, segmentation. You, you, yeah, so you create a mask of where are the muscles, where are the uh, the bones, and you just sort of identify those in uh-huh. an MR image, uh, and then maybe you can, if you know where those things are, then you can also know where where the blood vessels are. Okay. As as I understand it, I'm, I'm no doctor, so. Oh wow! How long have you been working on this one? Um, just about a, a couple of months, and uh, I'm still waiting for some data. So we're not that far into this project. Is is this similarly being run in Google Colab on a single GPU? <laughs> uh, no, this will. Uh, I have a um, a machine we call the Beast. It's actually not <laughs> that that crazy. Uh, it has a uh, Nvidia um, not, what is it thirty ninety RTX uh, graphics card. Uh, 
10 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, it's way too little for most uh, of the stuff I do, but uh, we're trying to get a, a bigger machine soon. Uh, but for purposes like this, it's, it's you can use it to test stuff off and then we'll probably go to the cloud afterwards and see. Okay, so you can kind of debug your algorithm and make yes. sure it's sort of performing as expected locally. And then uh, once you have everything ironed out, all the all the wrinkles, you can upload your data set and your, your algorithm and train it in the, in the cloud, excuse me. Exactly. Yeah. And then the, the third project is uh, one with pigs. Um, <clears throat> this one um, came about because one of my colleagues uh, who is in agriculture saw a, a magazine. And in that magazine, there were some pigs in there uh, that had been marked with uh, angry or playful or, and stuff like that. And she, she came to uh, the head of, uh, of science uh, at my uh, at my workplace and she said can we do something like that and he he kind of took a hold of me and he said can you do this and i'm like sure <laughs> we, we can do that <laughs> sentiment analysis for pigs yes <laughs> <laughs> so but but more than uh, sentiment analysis she was interested in are they drinking are they eating are they lying down or are they standing up uh, because this tells you something about the welfare of the pigs okay so if a pig is not, if it's drinking a lot and it's not eating and it may be a little more tired, uh, then it probably has diarrhea. If a pig gets diarrhea, uh, it is contagious and everybody gets diarrhea. And then you have to use antibiotics for the entire farm. And uh, this is what uh, farmers, pig farmers fear the most. It's uh, getting infections in the pigs because then you cannot sell the, the meat at all. So they want to avoid avoid this at all cost. Um, so I I had to identify these different postures. Is it drinking? Is it eating? And so on. Uh, so we we did uh, what we did was we we created this case with a Raspberry Pi in it uh, and a Sycamore uh, box that so you could hook up three D internet and then the big hard disk and we put a camera in there. And we started just recording the pigs from the ceiling of, uh, of the pigsty. Okay. And that gave us a, a lot of images of, of pigs. Um, and then I had a student helper who uh, drew all the lines around uh, and annotated all the images. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work right there. It is. <laughs> Um, and then I actually just, I used the, Tr the Trektron 2 uh, to begin with, is, which is uh, an algorithm that Facebook uh, has created for instance segmentation. Okay. Uh, it, it worked fine, but um, I switched to YOLO V8 afterwards because it's much easier to work with. It's much easier to uh, configure, I think. Okay. And it allows you to sort of um, classify the pigs in different... Yes, while tracking them. Yeah. And so this is the point. If you can track that this pig has been drinking a lot, it's returning to, uh, to drinking all the time, uh, then that pig has a problem. Of course, once you go down there, you cannot see it anymore. There's no way to identify the pig. But you see it on the camera, you go down, where's the pig now? You'd have to paint a large number on the back of each animal. Exactly. So you could... Yeah. <laughs> but you could track it. You could create graphs, you know, 
uh, maybe do it for the entire pigsty or something. So that project worked out uh, pretty well. But then afterwards I was like, hmm, maybe, um, well, actually uh, the, the drinking, eating and lying, uh, laying down pigs are kind of underrepresented in the data set. Okay. And so I thought to myself, maybe we could do something with stable diffusion. Okay. Because um, I heard heard so much about stable diffusion, uh, <laughs> I had yeah, to yeah. try it. So you can create a synthetic data set to yes. help better train your algorithm. Yes, exactly. So so that's what I went for next, and and uh, this gave me a, a bit of problems. Um, <laughs> I I uh, first tried uh, just me asking stable diffusion to create pigs but of course they, those pigs didn't look anything like the pigs i had okay uh, so i tried to use dream booth uh in a collab uh environment from hug and face uh every time it finished it will always tell me we can't show the, the pictures we're afraid this is nudity because <laughs> <laughs> because you're showing a lot of pig skin yes pig skin looks like people's skin so yeah. maybe this is nudity you know? so i never knew if That's my hilarious. if my uh model yeah. worked yeah so i thought to myself all right well we'll try textual inversion um okay. and textual inversion gave so and so results are not too good um and so i tried uh going image to image so i took one of the images uploaded it and and kind of uh, use control net to see if I could just slightly modify it. Uh, the best results I got was if I told it to go from standing pig to sleeping pig, it would just close the eyes on the pig. And that's not how pigs sleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So that, this is a problem. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to actually get it to do what you want. I mean, you can create all kinds of beautiful stuff, but to make it do exactly what you want, that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, an art form in its own, right? Yeah, oh. uh, and and I I tried to um, you can, with control mode you can use poses you can input a pose and, and an image, um, but there are no poses for pigs that are lying down. Sleeping uh, pigs, yeah, yeah, they, they don't exist. You can, I can get a dancing man or something, but you know pigs don't do that. Um, Along the way, I, I created some very strange looking images, uh, mostly because um, the the image I had uh, kind of looks like a grill because the floor is uh, has this weird pattern. Okay. So when I used stable diffusion, it would create an image of a a barbecued pig without a head, you know, lying on, laying on the side. Uh, <laughs> Again, not super useful for training your algorithm, and unless no. you're, at, you know, you're trying to figure out figure out what's going on at the barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> or it would create pigs with two heads, or it would create, you know, uh, pigs with fins, and I'm like, where, where oh do you gosh. get the fins from? Uh, <laughs> if I try to reverse the prompt, you know, you can you can reverse the prompt. It'll tell me uh, a Bird, a white bird flying over something. I'm like, white bird? <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like uh, stable diffusion doesn't have a whole lot of knowledge of pigs seen from above in a pigsty. Okay, well, uh, uh, noted. Maybe maybe you can provide them with a training data set. I mean, that's yes, yeah. your student graded. Maybe you could license it to them and get a lot of money maybe for all the all the pig. I mean, because, I mean, I, it's joking. I'm joking a little bit, but... 
but you know, there's a lot of money to be made in 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 this, right? Because you, what you're saying is is it is a big problem. You don't want to have the 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 whole you know a whole farm's worth of of pigs uh, go to waste or some other bad thing happen, right? There's 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 probably a, a significant demand for this because pigs are one of the most popular you know food animals on the planet. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> joking aside, it actually sounds like a very useful and a helpful thing to to get sort of advance warning that maybe there's something wrong with one of the pigs, and then we can do something about it in advance of, of, of it becoming a real big problem. It actually sounds very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's, uh, so, so that was the third project. Yes. Uh, one fourth, more. Yeah. The fourth yeah. project is, <clears throat> um, satellite images, uh, of cloud movement. And this is something I saw Thomas Chappell do, uh, Thomas Chappell is the guy uh, from uh, Weights and Biases. Okay. He, he did an article on stable diffusion and cloud movement. Uh-huh. And I thought that was very cool because now you can create time series indefinitely into the future. Uh, so kind of video prediction, actually. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I tried that out, and I actually got hold of a company that has solar panels, uh, and it's a huge problem to them that clouds are, are coming in, and they want to know 20, 30 minutes into the future, how are the clouds going to be, how much sunlight is going to come through. Um, I only did this on small scale, okay. but this is where I really need a supercomputer because satellite images are... are they're big. They're real time. They're. I mean, I need a, a lot of RAM uh, to to kind of keep all that data in there. So you'd need a way to scale this up to a pretty sizable sort of cloud um, mm-hmm. infrastructure. Well, yes, that sounds very cool. Predicting cloud movement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's. I mean that. I, that sounds fascinating. I love it, uh, Simon. So all four of those projects are super cool. And I, and I'm glad we were able to cover all of them. Um, but before we go, I was wondering if you had, uh, any advice for people that, that might want to be an associate professor, any, any lessons that you've learned, um, on, on, during your journey that you think people could benefit from? Sure. Um, I, I'll say just do it. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> Nike, uh, but yeah, exactly. But my, yeah. Uh, but what I've come to find is that I w- I'm just an average Joe and, and I could do it. Um, so I learned not to be afraid to just kind of do it. You know, the guy who came into the class, you know, I just raised my hand and said, I'll give it a shot. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? That's right. Six months. Yeah. Learning how to program something relatively elaborate. Uh-huh. I'll do it. Yeah. Call on me. I'll do <laughs> yes. it. Yes. And, uh, that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I mean, you, I would be intimidated in that context. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I was. I'm not a, a very outgoing kind of person, uh, really. Uh, I'm kind of introvert, uh, so so it's not like me to do stuff like that. But sometimes it just happens. You just gotta go for it, uh-huh. and and when when you have the opportunity, like. Uh, it's, it's not just about having the opportunity. It's about taking advantage of the opportunity when yes. it comes your way. And, yeah. 
And that takes a little bit of courage and a little bit of, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, but it, it can really pay off. It yes. sounds, that's what it sounds like it's saying to you. Like your whole career is basically based on that. True. Yeah. I, I, a couple other lessons I think I learned from you are, um, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. It's uh, trying to get into <laughs> computational <laughs> linguistics sounded like such an epic journey. Um, True. you know, like how many, I mean, it was three schools later or, or, you know, how many schools did you have to try until you finally got there? Yes. Um, I usually tell people I went to five different universities all in all. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that the persistence of like, I'm, I'm just going to keep calling. I'm going to call um, the original professor, the backup, the backups backup. And I'm just going to keep going down the list until I find someone. It sounds like, sounds like you are a combination of persistence and just being brave and just being like, I'm going to try it. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to do what I can. I, I it, it sounds intimidating, but I, I, I just have to go for it. That's, I think those are the two lessons, other than the technical lessons that we learned <laughs> about how you're actually getting things, cool things done. But uh, maybe sort of like uh, tips for, for, for me and living, I think those are two great lessons. And follow so, your heart, you know? Yeah, follow your heart. Yeah, your passion. Yes. And, and be determined. Uh, be stubborn. Uh-huh. Uh, to, yeah. to, to get to get where you want to go. Um, I love that. I absolutely love it. Well, Simon, I got to say, it was fantastic talking to you today. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing what comes next. <laughs> it was my pleasure.